this week on The Startup Life. You know, they have two options at that point. They can open their mind and unbundle their current thinking and understanding about something, or they can say, this doesn't make sense to me based upon how I've been trained. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with P. Brendan Lumberg, president and CEO of Radiant Pain Relief Centers. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a special guest in the building today. We have Brendan Lumberg of Radiant Pain Relief Centers. How's it going, Brendan? Super, Dominic. Honored to be here and happy to, uh, to be chatting with everybody. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the startup nation today? I'm ready to do my best. Hopefully it's a, it's a value to everybody. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. As always, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So let's set this thing off right, Brendan. Tell us your story on your path of entrepreneurship. Well, I think I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. In high school, I started a record company. <laughs> nice. If you could call it that. I mean, I had some buddies that were, you know, making some music and, you know, trying to help put that out to, to the world and put on some concerts. And, I, you know, I loved it. I played in bands in, in high school and in my 20s and loved every aspect of that, like the, the creative process, the organization, the marketing, you know, the leadership. I loved every aspect of it. And so it's kind of been in my blood and, you know, went through college, got my MBA, and most of, most of, in fact, all my jobs uh, have been with small companies and was fortunate to work with a couple, uh, you know, basically startups as a very early employee and see those companies grow and become successful. And, you know, that was a motivation for me to say, I really like, I love the energy of a startup environment and building companies. And uh, I want to do that for myself. And, and at the same time, seeing it, an opportunity to maybe do it my own way, to do it with my own spin and you know, maybe treat people a little bit differently along the way than sometimes I felt like I was treated. So all that was my my catalyst for wanting to be an entrepreneur. Gotcha. I hear that. I hear that. Now, let me ask you this, man. Uh, what made you get into the chronic pain management space? Because I think that's kind of interesting. Well, uh, you know, the truth is I saw a business opportunity. I, okay. I, um, yeah. You know, I identified this technology that's central to our business. And it was really, you know, uh, the opportunity to build a company and to you know, to solve a problem um, that that drove that. I'm a chronic pain sufferer myself. Mm. Even though my pain is quite mild compared to most of our clients, it gave me some sort of insight into it. But I can tell you that over the years of, of building the company, my why has certainly changed and it's uh, become much more meaningful. If, if it's just about making money, I mean, I would have quit a long time ago because the startup experiences, you know, has been for us slow and arduous and challenging and, um, you know, certainly not an overnight success. For sure, for sure. This path is definitely one of a slow winding road, is it not? 
Oh, yeah, that's an understatement, I think, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So l- let's get right into it, man. Now, you wrote a book, uh, Radiant Relief, A Case for a Better Solution to Chronic Pain. Let's, before we dive into the book a little bit, let's start up Nation Know the process you went through in writing this book, because there are many out there who are thinking about writing a book, but they're not really sure what to expect. Try to share some knowledge on that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I would I, I would encourage anybody that has a book in mind or that's kind of, you know, eating at them a bit to, to sit down and just get started with it. I mean, you know, I wrote, wrote Radiant Relief mostly on airplanes and in hotel rooms, you know, between between events and travel and meetings and things like that. And, um, and it came out, I mean, it came out pretty well. And in fact, I got, I think another book that's, uh, that's percolating inside of me that's ready to come out here pretty soon as well. And it's an, I think it's an important um, process for me. It was very much a release. You know, I told, I wanted to tell our entrepreneurial journey. I wanted to tell a little bit of the thinking that went into building the company and set the stage for how we intend to grow. You know, chronic pain is a very, enormous problem. It's a very human problem. There's not a single person on earth that doesn't experience pain in some form. It's right. both metaphoric and literal. And so, you know, this, the subject matter of pain is one that's um, covers a lot of different ground. And what we're doing with Radiant is really addressing um, the, the pain problem in a completely novel and different way. And so, you know, and, and we're building clinics. Uh, and so that none of that can happen overnight. So I, you know, I really felt like the book was something I wanted to, to produce, to put out there to set the stage, to educate people, and to try to create some awareness around what we're doing to help accelerate that process. And fortunately, you know, I was really honored when Inc. Magazine wrote about the book. They called it a manifesto and an epic example of how to create a movement, and which is just, you know, a, a real honor and humbling, but it, but it, it is exactly what we intend to do. You know, it, it is our manifesto, and, and we do want to create a movement, and how we create a movement is by winning hearts and minds, and the book plays a key part in that for us. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, you can purchase that book on Amazon. However, a little birdie told me that you may be able to get that for free. You know anything about that, Brandon? Absolutely. Yeah. If you uh, go to radiantrelief.com forward slash free dash book, and I think we can get you a link, Dominic, you can put on the site. But I'd love to give that book away as a free digital download for, for Kindle for the e-readers out there or PDF if you prefer it. And, uh, and happy to, to share the share the story. For sure, for sure. And on behalf of Startup Nation, Brenda, I just want to say thank you so much for the free. We love freebies. We, and we definitely love free books that add value to our path of entrepreneurship, for sure. So let's dive into the book a little bit. So, you know, in entrepreneurship, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, that, you know, uh, there are often times where uh, a new idea doesn't really go the way you planned on or something like that, or a new product comes out, and it doesn't really go the way you want. And sometimes, there's a part where you're trying to sell to a very mature industry, no different than the medical industry. So yeah. in chapter three, uh, you, in the book, you know, this happens with the, the beginning, when, when you start beginning the, the scrambler therapy tech, which at the time was new, but not so much anymore, but it was a way to treat chronic pain and retraining the brain to non-invasively without drugs, needles, surgery, side effects, and things of that nature. However, you talk about that, you know, when you try to push this, or not push it, sorry, you try to sell it to the medical community, got a little pushback. Tell Startup Nation what you learned from that experience, and why do you think it's hard for people in a mature space to kind of get, you know, uh, around new ideas and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great question. And, you know, no nobody... Nobody wants to, I mean, nobody loves change for the most part, right? I mean, change is, change is hard for anybody. But when you, when you approach a market like we're doing and educating people about science or leading with technology that's 
based upon science that they weren't necessarily trained on. Most doctors in our country are trained in pain science from the 1960s. They really, frankly, lag behind. They get very little uh, formal education on pain in medical or professional school, and what little continuing medical education they do get is often funded by drug companies. And so, right. um, you know, there's, there's a lack of understanding. And so when you're somebody like a doctor who's been you know, invested a decade in their education and they're very well trained and they're very, you know, very intelligent and you, and you present to them something that runs contrary to the way that they were taught and the way they've been practicing, you know, they have two options at that point. They can open their mind and unbundle their current thinking and understanding about something, or they can say, this doesn't make sense to me based upon how I've been trained. Therefore, you're probably talking about snake oil or something. So get out of my office and don't waste my time. Right. So, you know, so it's, it's in some ways almost a threat or a challenge to how they've been taught. And so obviously it's not our intention to, to upset people, but we have to educate people that the science has changed. And, and, um, you know, at one point we thought the world was flat. At one point we thought, you know, doing blood ladians and having leeches on our body was going to cure all sorts of diseases. And at right. one point we didn't know that we had germs that we were transmitting back and forth when we didn't wash our hands before we ate or right. some sort of medical procedure. So, you know, science does change, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time for that to happen. Further complicating that is is economics, and and you know nobody wants to take money out of their own pocket. Certainly, industry as a whole. You know the drug companies. We had this whole opioid addiction epidemic, and as as individual states are suing these drug manufacturers, which is happening across the country, the truth about what these drug companies knew in terms of the addictive nature of these drugs and their you know, aggressive marketing tactics, the truth of that is coming out. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but clearly it was economics that were driving that behavior, not the benefit of people. And even though the, you know, an opioid does help minimize the pain experience in the short term, long term it's just made us all sicker and you know, more of a mess. But again, economics, and if you look at any noticeable disruption, Uber, you know, Uber and Lyft or Airbnb, th- these products weren't, developed by somebody inside of that industry. They were developed by somebody who came in from an outside perspective and said, I think we can do it differently. I think we can do it better. And, you know, oftentimes that's met with resistance from the establishment within that industry. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that, Brandon. And I I really appreciate something you said because uh, you're you're absolutely right. The opioid uh, epidemic here in our country is is a massive one and it's a, a serious problem. And I think what you bring to the marketplace can really be uh, a force and change in helping kind of curb that systemic issue we have with that. So I appreciate you pointing that out, man, for sure. Yeah, well, I appreciate it too. And, you know, with pain, it's even more of an interesting thing because Absolutely. it is, you know, it is a human phenomenon. So we all have our own experiences to pain. And that experience is typically one of obviously a negative experience. We don't like how pain feels. Right. Um, and we, you know, we always think it means something is wrong in the tissue, something's wrong in me, I got to quit moving. You know, it, it's, it, it, we have our own perspective about it that's been reinforced by old science and by social understanding. But chronic pain and tissue tissue damage actually aren't correlated the way that we think that they might be. And so one of the things that we need to do is educate people about what really it's neuroscience, about the brain's involvement in pain, and that it's not necessarily an indication that something's still wrong in the tissue. And so we need to get people moving better and, you know, approaching the pain from a different perspective uh, and through our therapy that we use at Radiant to retrain the brain uh, versus just try to mask it and minimize it because inevitably it doesn't resolve the pain. It's kind of like in the book, I make the analogy that that chronic pain is actually multiple factors that come together. It's kind of like more like credit card debt. 
And if you have a credit card balance and all of a sudden the car breaks down and that, and that repair, bill, uh, repair bill for the car puts you over the limit of what you can endure, not only do you have a big bill, which is metaphorically painful, but now you're over your limit. So you have maybe over limit fees. And if you were relying upon that credit card, to pay for gas or to buy food because you don't get paid for another two weeks and your family's, you know, needs that, then the, the circumstance make that, that experience even more painful. And you go, well, it's because of this dang car repair bill that I'm now in this mess. And that's true. The car repair bill was kind of the tipping point that created this whole circumstance. It's very, very difficult. But if there wasn't already a balance on that card, then you could absorb that credit card charge of the new uh, car repair bill much more easily without the same ramifications across you know many other areas and so that's really kind of how chronic pain works it's multifactorial and it's accumulation of events over time and there are ways that we can kind of reduce that threat debt on our or the, the debt on our account you know on our biologic account if you will but if we have credit card debt and we drink alcohol then in the moment while we're getting buzzed we feel better about the credit card debt but right, it isn't resolving right. it and that's essentially how the, the pain meds work. You know, you pop an opioid, you feel better, but it isn't resolving the problem. And there are certainly healthier ways to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that. And let me chime in here really quickly. Startup Nation, I, I did not mention this earlier. We, we actually have the link for the book to get it for free in the show notes for easy access and the link to that Inc. Magazine article talking about Brendan's book. It's also in the show notes for easy access. Sorry, Brendan, I wanted to get that in there. Awesome. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Uh, so also, man, you know, uh, in chapter six, man, you discuss some challenging stuff, you know, and building radiant and getting there, you know, more personally that you discuss in the book. So, man, I want you to take me back to 2006, man. What's going on there? <laughs> well, 2006, you know, we, my family and I had just completed the, the new build on a brand new home in Arizona. I was, right. a, you know, a short time out of my MBA, starting my career. And like most young people in our, in our, uh, 20s, I guess, just, you know, optimistic about how the world is going to work in our favor. And, you know, that was a turning point in a, in a lot of people's lives in, the, in that year and the coming years that, that followed because, the, you know, the economy really went through Absolutely. a sour shift, right? So Absolutely. I had just um, finished an MBA, built a brand new home. And unlike everybody else, I lived in Arizona at the time, unlike everybody else who was doing these interest only loans, you know, I wanted to take a different approach to it. So we had bought a, a small condominium that we lived in while we were finishing college. And um, with the market values going up, we had a lot of equity in that home. So we sold that condo and, you know, paid off, paid off debts. And I put a, you know, I put a huge deposit on this house that we were going to build, that we built. And the idea that we would, uh, you know, uh, hopefully have a 15-year fixed mortgage and pay the, pay the house off sooner and own it outright. So all my cash was tied up in this house because I was looking at it as a long-term thing. Well, you know, for a variety of circumstances, we decided to move from Phoenix to uh, Oregon Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, found a home here to buy and, you know, went forward with buying the home thinking that we had the house in Arizona sold. And long story short, we ended up with two houses, both of which were becoming increasingly devalued by the moment over the, over the years that followed and found ourselves, you know, exhausting all of our savings, going into credit card debt, just keeping food on the table, trying to, you know, pay two mortgages that my income at the time could really only sustain one. Right. And, you know, you know, it, it was just a tough life circumstance that I certainly wasn't alone in that. Many people went through these difficult times in, you know, 2007, eight, nine, and ultimately it led to, uh, you know, the only way out of it was personal bankruptcy. And, you know, that's a humbling experience when you have you as the kind of primary provider to a family when right. you're not doing a good job of that and the, fin the whole financial stability of your family is called into question. It's a humbling experience uh, in pretty, pretty significant ways. Yeah. 
pretty dark time for me. Hey, Startup Nation, I want to chime in and really go a little deeper into bankruptcy because Brendan brings it up on his path to entrepreneurship. Look, in 2008, Brendan and many others filed for bankruptcy, like he just said. But I imagine, Startup Nation, there were even more people who could have benefited from using that tool. And I say tool because that's what it is. Bankruptcy is a tool that was written in by Congress to use at your disposal. It's something that you leverage. We don't, bankruptcy is not this taboo thing. It's not something you have to run from. And I get it. There's an emotional and social stigma that comes to it because filing for bankruptcy seems to just like, oh, I messed up my finances. Oh, I'm not a responsible adult. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. We hear about celebrities and superstar athletes filing for bankruptcy all the time. And guess what? They're usually still rich. It's just a matter of getting everything in and, you know, getting all your affairs in order, getting all your bills and stuff, you know, in a in a centralized way to where you can kind of manage them. That's all you're really doing. Bankruptcy is a tool that allow you to kind of reorganize everything so that way it can be more manageable to you. And Startup Nation, look, there are some things about bankruptcy that will affect your your financial standing. There is a financial stigma to bankruptcy. I do get that from this. You know, you can't apply for a new credit for a car loan or something along those lines. And I get it. But that is a small inconvenience when you look at the larger scope of things. When you look at the larger scope of your path to entrepreneurship and you think about what you're trying to do on your path, in your business, in your company, or however you want to look at it, using bankruptcy could be a tool that could really not only reshift and refocus your plan, but also propel your path to entrepreneurship. Let's get back to Brendan. Uh, I imagine, I imagine, but in, in that dark time, quick follow, in that dark time, Brendan, what did you learn about yourself, man? What did you learn about like the, the willingness to withstand that personal endurance? What did you learn about yourself? Well, that, I mean, Dominic, I mean, that's the life lesson in it. I think mm -hmm. to learn that money isn't what matters. It's, I hear that. it's family, it's relationships. And, you know, we all bust our tails in our jobs or for building companies or doing what we're doing, you know, to make money. I mean, that's what capitalism is. That's what business is. But at the same time, it's not about, it's not about just doing that. It's about what it means to be able to provide and take care of the people that we love in our lives. Right. And so, um, you know, when you have the ability to give financial stability to your family taken away, but your family still loves you and they're still with you, you realize that it shifts the perspective on that experience a little bit, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not about, you know, the glam and, you know, even the comfort. The comfort's helpful, but at the end of the day, it's the people, it's the heart, it's the love that you have in your home that makes it the home, it makes it your family, it makes it those relationships, not how much money's in the account or, you know, what kind of car you're driving or whatever. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate you also for that transparency and sharing that journey with us, man. That, that's powerful stuff. Thank you. And, um, you know, obviously I do talk about it in the book because I wanted it to be a personal, a personal journey. And, and that obviously informed my approach of how I build the company. And, and I think there's some, there's some parallels to a, a chronic pain sufferer because pain you know, much like, uh, uh, you know, the financial downturn in a market or loss of employment or, you know, the need to file bankruptcy due to various factors, like it, it robs people and it isn't necessarily something they chose. It isn't necessarily something that they, you know, sought out by any means. Right. And I think there's a parallel there because again, pain is very metaphoric. We talk about pain in, in, you know, in selling environments and, you know, in a variety of different circumstances. And I think I wanted my story I want people to know that my personal journey and my own struggles helped inform the way that I look at how we're building Radiant because 
at the end of the day, we're all human. We all face difficulties. We all face struggles. And it's in, it's in the communion with other people, whether family or friends or so appropriate like we have at Radiant, that really, uh, that really matter, I think, at the end of the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Let's shift gears a little bit because, you know, I think entrepreneurs are lifelong learners, always engaged in professional development, things of that nature. So when you hear the phrase or the term uh, professional development, what does that mean to you? What are you learning now? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you, is there a certain book that you're reading now? What are you learning right now, Brandon? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, my entrepreneurial journey has been one in which I've, I've simultaneously invested very heavily in my own personal development. I've been in a couple different masterminds and network groups um, that were, you know, big investments, but, you know, allowed me to surround myself with other really bright, creative people and to really challenge my own internal thinking. One of the thought leaders that I've been most drawn to and follow is a guy named Brendan Burchard. And obviously we sell, we have the same first name and he, right. he used to live in Portland where I live. Now he's, he's uh, moved to the Caribbean to a, a little bit more luxurious lifestyle. In the, I in see. Rico. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, his teachings are something that we've tried to take, you know, that I've used in my own life uh, and that we've tried to incorporate into our, our business in some way. In fact, we send all of our employees to his high performance Academy because at the end of the day, like, you know, our ability to interact with the world is really only contingent upon our own ability to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. I hear and that. So, you know, and, and, and certainly in a care environment, you know, when our job is to help, help pull somebody out of the depths of despair and discomfort that they, they're living in in chronic pain, we want ourselves to be as healthy, you know, personally as we can in, you know, in our own awareness of our energy and our perception. You know, we've probably heard the phrase, that we don't see the world as the world is, but we see it as we are. So as we work on bettering ourselves, as we work on changing our mindset and our perspective about the world, it allows us to interact with a higher level of compassion and understanding and love that we might not otherwise be able to do. So for me, personal development is not about, you know, fast tracking a path to riches, although maybe that happens in some cases. It's really about how do you become uh, a, a better human, a better, you know, brother, sister, friend, neighbor, you know, person. And, and that's really, again, informed, I think, how I, I approach the entrepreneurial process as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that social aspect later in the show. Uh, but Brendan, for right now, you know, cause you're kind of, you're basically in the healthcare space, right? And yep. when you, when you talk about healthcare, depending on who you talk to, they have good stories, not so good stories this, and everything in between. So let me ask you this, being in the healthcare space, what is the state of healthcare in your opinion? Well, I mean, to be honest, the industry is a state of um, not healthcare. It's the opposite of healthcare. I mean, it's, it's okay. Medicare, right? I mean, we, we, have, mm. we have economic incentives that don't necessarily encourage health. They encourage maintenance on, you know, medications and, you know, compliance to certain you know, lifelong procedures and, you know, um, and pain certainly being part of that. I mean, again, it was right. economics that really drove the opioid addiction epidemic that we're facing. And Absolutely. it just so happens that, you know, they do, they do help people in the short term feel better and they were able to capitalize on that. Um, but it, it, you know, it was approached from an economic perspective, not necessarily from a do no harm, help people feel better perspective. But I think, I think, and in the book, I talk a little bit about this, but I think that we as individuals, we've kind of lost sight in some cases about our own responsibility to understand our bodies and to manage our own health. I mean, we get in, in schools, just almost zero, you know, health education, almost no physical education anymore, no PE classes, no nutrition classes. And so, you know, as a nation um, and really as a world as you know, more and more of the world kind of follows the American lifestyle, 
you know, we're as a whole fat and sick and unhealthy and disconnected from our minds and bodies. And, you know, and that's, that's a contributing factor to the large pain problem that we have. And, and I think that, you know, there's something that's very empowering to our clients and to anybody who realizes like they can take their health back through better lifestyle choices and decisions. It's very empowering experience to do that, you know, to do that. And, uh, but it's not easy. It's not easy to say, I'm going to eat better and better and exercise better and, you know, think about getting better sleep and changing my environment and my mindset. But when people do that, it, it's, uh, it's what changes society. And I feel like, to be honest, I feel like there is, uh, the good news is I think that the more and more people are realizing, holy cow, like popping pills isn't the solution. I got to start, I got to start approaching this thing better. And I, I feel like there's a convergence happening between healthcare. I think there is shifts happening and, and even spirituality, you know, there are, for mm. example, s- studies now that show meditation changes the brain and, you know, meditation is a type of prayer. Like it's a type of internal reflection. It's a type of, um, you know, communion with yourself or with the, the divine or with the universe or however you want to categorize it. That, um, again, it's different than just trying to pop a pill and, you know, mask a symptom and get through life. Like it's, it's a way to kind of go internal and think about our own selves a little bit differently. So I think, I think I, I'm optimistic that in, you know, 10 years, 20 years, we'll be at a different place, but we have an economic reality that makes healthcare kind of a broken system right now for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Quick question before we go to break, Brendan, what does your average day look like? Be as specific as possible. My average day is pretty dynamic to be honest okay. because yeah, the business is um, small. So, um, you know, it often requires different things to me, but I always try to start the day uh, first with my mindset. You know, I wake up in the morning, typically pretty early, some days earlier than I'd like just because I, my mind's working throughout the night. It seems like I but, definitely hear that one. <laughs> I definitely hear that one. Get going and just try to frame, you know, even if I don't get out of bed, just kind of lay there for a few minutes and kind of think about my day, think about how I want to interact with the day. Like what kind of energy and perspective do I want to bring to the day? What mm-hmm. kind of challenges am I going to, op- you know, likely encounter? What kind of disappointments am I going to encounter? And how am I going to show up to those, right? How am I going to choose to, uh, you know, choose to be present to them? Next is exercise. I try to exercise daily, typically in the mornings. uh, And I find that that, you know, just helps keep the stress at bay, helps keep the body moving better. And there's a lot of studies now that show that daily exercise or regular exercise, not just helps us physically lose weight, be stronger, all that, but it actually improves the brain. It improves cognitive functioning that makes sleep easier. And so, you know, that's, that's how I start the day. Then every day can be different. I mean that my primary job right now is raising money for the company. Gotcha. Um, and, and we're, you know, that's, that's an onerous process to talk to investors and follow up and, you know, Sometimes it's individual, sometimes it's you know organizations. Right. And then, and then in operations of the business, you know, fortunately we're at a point where we have we have a bit of a team, so you know it's team support. And you know anybody that's in a leadership position in an organization, the higher you go up in that organization, the more difficult the challenges are that that come to you because they haven't been able to be resolved by somebody else in the organization, you know, beneath you. So every day presents new challenges and new situations that we have to solve. And I think it, again, it starts with mindset. Like, do you show up to those thinking, Hey, like, you know, what was me? This, this, you know, this process of raising money is so burdensome and really hard. And, you know, nobody understands my reality. Sometimes I think that, but then I have to literally like change my mindset around and go, how fortunate am I that I get to be the person that helps change the way that chronic pain is understood and treated. And, you know, it's a small price to pay to have to, you know, hustle every day to figure out how we're going to keep the lights on and keep raising money so we can expand and grow and market bigger and, you know, provide new pathways for clients to, to access this therapy and new, um, new, new tools for doctors and clinicians. Like, you know, when you change your perspective about 
what is a difficulty in the day and you make it, you kind of gamify it in your own way or you just approach it like with a sense of gratitude and appreciation, then the energy and the experience around that changes so much. So I guess at the end of the day, that's my message is like, you know, really focus on the mindset about everything you have to do. And no matter what it is you're doing, if it's a mundane task or a very complicated task, your experience to that and with that and the outcomes from it will be better. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How do you like being in a startup life so far, Brendan? I'm loving it, man. You're asking great questions. I try my best. <laughs> All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Brendan's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. business owner the startup life reach is growing wouldn't you like your business to grow with it reach out to us to advertise on the startup life you can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com i mean don't get me wrong like this is a great music to have break on but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it need more content from the startup life you say you can now sign up for the startup life all access pass on the binge podcast network's patreon page there is exclusive content written by yours truly video content where i share even more of my business philosophies and whatever crazy content i can think of out of that crazy head of mine and at only five dollars a month yeah five dollars a month this is more content for you startup nation to really get ahead of your competition so instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship click the link in the show notes to sign up all right startup nation so let's continue so brendan you know tell us a little bit about pain relief centers you're based there in portland oregon correct Yep, we're here in uh, beautiful, sunny Portland, Oregon. All right, so tell me a little bit more about uh, Radiant Pain Relief Centers. Yeah, so, um, you know, prior to starting Radiant, I'd spend a few years trying to sell this technology, which is central to our business, to doctors and clinicians. And, you know, my background has been spent in healthcare-related business, uh, and that's taken me from the back rooms, you know, the, the accounting offices, to the surgery rooms, to client interactions, to helping doctors be able to market and operate their businesses better. I've, I've had the fortunate reality of seeing healthcare from a lot of different angles and perspectives, even though I'm not a clinician myself. Right. And um, so, I, you know, I was uh, just prior to starting rating, head of sales and marketing for a, another startup medical device company. I helped them bring a technology to market. I ended up leaving the company and became, in, became a distributor for them. And as a distributor, I started looking for other products to add to my portfolio, if you will, and um, heard about this device that's now central to our model, which is known in the medical literature as scrambler therapy. Right. And so I began to put some of my own time and money into promoting it, but found that doctors, again, they didn't understand it. You know, most are trained in science from the 1960s. So when you talk about the brain's involvement in pain, that you can retrain the brain, 
you know, they kind of look at you like you have three eyes and, you know, many times would just tell me it sounds like snake oil and get out of their office. And so <laughs> was surprised at that. And then the, the few doctors that said, okay, well, this sounds interesting. Tell me more. At the end of the day, there was frankly an economic disincentive in most cases for them to adopt it. High cost of equipment, a lack of insurance coverage. They don't really know how to market it, you know, integrate it, make it useful on a consistent basis. And so I began, the wheel started to turn in my head is to solve this problem in a different way. Cause I saw, I saw an opportunity with a therapy that seemed to work very well, that was safe and consistently effective, and to a, uh, you know, to a market problem that's enormous. In the United States, over 100 million people have chronic pain, which is more than cancer, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease combined. And even though at the time the opioid addiction epidemic wasn't as you know, omnipresent in the media like it is now, and so right. much in everybody's you know, conscience, it was, it was there. Like we, you know, those of us that were in healthcare, we saw that this is not the solution that's going to solve this problem. In fact, it may be making it worse. So I saw an opportunity and I, and I just said, well, let's think about this differently. And instead of trying to sell a technology to a doctor who doesn't understand it and for whom there's an economic disincentive, what if we approach the consumer? Can we build a consumer business? And so the analog to that, and just to keep it simple, is Starbucks. You know, Starbucks has fundamentally changed society. They changed the way that most of us experience and value coffee, the role that it plays in our lives, how much money we spend on it, et cetera, et cetera. And they didn't do that by selling a better coffee product to the local diner or cafe they did it by creating these stores. And the stores create an experience, they create um, you know, a brand that becomes scalable, and, and, and that experience, that, that consumer engagement that's happening there, and the brand consistency from location to location have enabled Starbucks to scale and to grow the way they have. And so that's what our vision has been. Um, and there's some other changes coming to the company that uh, I can make some other analogs you know, and analogies to um, that I think are very exciting, uh, but I'm not quite ready to make those public yet. So. But anyway, I think you you know you just have to start saying like if if you have a solution, if there's a problem and you have a solution to it, you know what are the ways that you can keep learning? And I think it's through failure, it's through getting your you know running into dead ends and you know hitting cul-de-sacs and getting your your teeth knocked in a little bit here and there to to really say a is this something worth fighting for? B can we keep learning? Can we learn from our failure and keep getting better every day? Gotcha. I want to go back to something you said earlier in the show when you talk about that mental health piece and how we as a society are starting to understand the importance of that. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's almost as if, and I'll ask this as a follow-up question, it's almost as if mental health is starting to become just as important as physical health. What do you think? Well, I think so. And I think it should. I mean, there's certainly been, you know, in my lifetime, I'm in my early 40s, uh, you know, certainly a stigma. And I know that stigma preceded probably forever around mental health, right? And right. it's a kind of weakness or whatever. But it is it is absolutely shifting. And, and I think it's important because, again, like, you know, uh, we don't see the world as it is. We don't interact with the world just necessarily as it is, but as we are. And so that internal perspective, how our brain is interpreting our reality makes a huge difference. And so all of us have, I think, a responsibility, whether we have some level of mental health or not, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to think about our thinking and to change our perceptions a little bit about reality. And it's, it is a fascinating time because, it, you know, these things take time. I mean, even new science like pain science, it takes decades for that new information to matriculate into education and into the norms of, you know, behavior. And, and the same is true with this. But I, I absolutely think, I mean, the stigmas are being broken down. You're seeing celebrities talking about it. 
um, talking about mental health. And it's not, it's not a sign of weakness. It's part of our reality, right? And, and it's a huge part of our reality. And, you know, anybody that's dealt with it, my wife has gone through a very complicated health journey herself, which also informed, you know, the evolution of our business. And I talk about it in the book a little bit. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it was a brain retraining process that she went through that really helped her. And I think, you know, brain health and mental health is as important as any other physical aspect of us, if not more so. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, for those of you who are there in Oregon, we have the link for uh, the contact information and the address for Radiant there in the show notes for easy access. So, Brendan, on your website, you know, I found something interesting. You have a a set of uh, company guiding values, compassion, honesty, creativity, owning spirit, and doing the right thing. I think I'm very fascinated about, especially, and it's something you kind of alluded to earlier when we talked about your take on the state of healthcare, healthcare about doing the right thing. Why is that important to you, Brendan? Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's absolutely incumbent upon us to do the right thing. You know, um, what we're doing, particularly for our niche business in addressing pain and the way that we're doing it and trying to change the understanding around pain and obviously treatment to pain, um, it, it comes with a lot of skepticism. You know, um, and we have been told from the days of me trying to sell the technology to the early days of starting Radiant, and even even currently, that what we're doing is snake oil or or whatever. And there certainly has been a lot of that type of, you know, kind of snake oily types of things out there, particularly. Right. And so, you know, incumbent upon us is to do things the right way. And in what you know, when we talk about that to a our clients and each of those value points is discussed with every client that comes to the door that I want every, every patient, every client that comes to us to understand that these are our guiding principles. We talk about them daily. We talk about them in our training. We talk about them ongoing with our employees and we talk about them with our clients because they're not just words on the wall. Like they they are our guiding values and ultimately doing the right thing is easy sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's not easy to do it. Uh, we've certainly had some financial complications because we've said we want to make this affordable, accessible. We think that's part of doing the right thing. We tell clients, if you aren't satisfied, if you aren't seeing results, then we let you out of the, the financial obligation that you commit to when you come to Radiant. Um, because at the end of the day, that is doing the right thing. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to say it. It's sometimes harder to put it into action into practice, but we really, we really try hard to do it. And it, it was important to me to frame those guiding values even before we really started to build the company. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's important. And thank you for sharing it because I wanted to, to, to share with Startup Nation that it's very important, especially in certain industries like healthcare, to have those type of values and to have those type of uh, type of an ethos, if you will. Because you're, you're, when you're dealing with the, the, the public health and of people and stuff like that, you know, it, it's not the same as like selling a toy or some type of other service. You're, you're trying to help people. And I think having values like that is super important. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Yeah, and I think, I mean, certainly it's, it's critical in healthcare um, because it's very human. It's very, you know, Absolutely. emotional. It's, it's like people's lives. But at the same right. time, any business, I think, benefits when the, when the founders, the leadership of the company sit down and talk about, talk about and think through and put into action what are their values that guide their behavior and guide their conduct and their interactions. I mean, I think it's really critical. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, and so, you know, tell us about, you know, your amazing team at Radiant. There's you, there's Mark, there's Kurt, and there's Doc Melissa, man. Tell us about your team there at Radiant. Well, we have an amazing team um, in, um, you know, a bigger, frankly, we have a bigger team than we need for our current clinical operations. Gotcha. But, okay. I, but I actually want to start with the clinical staff because, okay. you know, these people are changing people's lives every day. When client comes into us, 
and they've been in such severe pain that they can hardly stand at the kitchen sink. They can they can hardly function. Many can't work anymore. They right. get out of bed. They're on medications. Right. Can't be intimate with their companion anymore. Like there's just so much that pain has robbed them from. Right. And so what we try to do very first is to interact from a level like those guiding values, a level of compassion and understanding and connection. You know, many many chronic pain sufferers, after years or decades of living in pain, they um, they have had increasingly negative experiences with healthcare providers because those doctors have run out of options to provide to them. And so everyone's kind of thrown up their hands. And at the end of the day, either implicit or explicit is this idea that it, it is that person who's suffering in pain, it's their fault. And you know, that then, then it becomes this emotional component that adds even higher level of um, discomfort and, and um, difficulty to an otherwise already difficult experience. Right? So we st we first start with a team who's a phenomenal. I mean, our clinical care staff at our centers are unbelievable at connecting with people, helping them understand the most recent pain science, re helping to rekindle hope. And we, we design our process to talk to each client about their definition of success. What, what is their why? Why, are they, why is now an important time for them to get out of pain, to reclaim their life? What are they fighting for? And you know, doctors don't talk to them about these things, but we do because when somebody has a why that's bigger than the pain, it's gonna help them move forward through this process of you know, Absolutely. unbundling the pain, right? If without that, it's like just mask it. I just need to get get on with my life. But we have to help them kind of step backwards sometimes to do that. So the you know the, the team is amazing at the clinic level, and part of the reason we've invested in things like High Performance Academy and is because we want to just continue to perpetuate that and to attract that and to retain that type of uh, compassionate individual in our centers. And then I'm fortunate at a, at an executive level. I can be accused of many faults, I'm sure, but you know, nobody can say that I haven't done a great job of surrounding myself with people who are better and smarter than me. And I think that's a really key thing to anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur is surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you and make you better. And I've done that. You know, my co-founder is a Harvard and MIT trained physician, Dr. David Farley. Right. And um, you know, he's recently stepped out of the role as chief medical officer um, okay. so that he can begin to wind down his career a little bit as we're ramping up. And okay. But he's been, you know, he was a great colleague in the early days and years of the business. And now we have Dr. Melissa Cady, who's a board certified physician in anesthesia and pain and an expert in modern pain science. She's a published author herself. She runs her own podcast, it, you know, speaks internationally. She's a phenomenal addition. And so, you know, she makes what we do better and more articulate. And she's a peer to other doctors out there that need to understand the science at a deeper level. Then you have, you know, our, our financial officer. Uh, you know, managing the books, managing the accounting, building pro formas and finances and reporting back to shareholders like that isn't something I want to spend my time doing. So God bless Mark for uh, for having a passion for that. And then, you know, and Kurt, you know, Kurt is uh, he's our chief operating officer and Kurt came to us as an investor. And, you know, you know, I just feel so fortunate to have attracted investors into our business who obviously they, they want to see their money make money back to them, but they are also investing because they see this as an opportunity to make the world a better place. So Kurt wrote us a big check. He came on as an investor. And as we got to know him, he's an experienced uh, multi-center operator. He was a successful franchisee for a business that grew uh, over a decade and, uh, and then sold. And, um, you know, essentially he was retired. And, you know, Kurt saw the opportunity to, you know, put his money to work in a productive, good way, For but sure. then also saw, said, you know, realized like he had the bandwidth of his, in his time and his schedule of being basically retired to come out of retirement and to come roll up the sleeves and get to work with us. And the things that that guy does, you know, the type of pay grade that he's really at, the things that he's willing to do to help make sure the business could be successful. It's, it's humbling to have uh, colleagues that, you know, that all see this as an opportunity to make the world a better place as much as one day make some money at it, you know?
For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing your amazing team and what they do and how they provide value to you and ultimately uh, to the customer or clients, if you will, patients, if you will, as well. For sure. Uh, So let me ask you this, because speaking of your patients, I saw that, you know, you have some testimonials on the website there. And one in particular where the, the young lady said that she had a pain level of over 10 and then coming to see you guys, she had a pain level of like one. When you hear those testimonials, it's almost like you're giving your you guys there at Radiant are giving people their life back, that quality of life that they want so bad. You're giving it back to them. What does that mean to you when you hear those testimonials that you're providing that quality of life to your customers and patients, if you will? What does that mean to you, Brendan? Well, I mean, it, it's the world. I mentioned early on that that my why has changed, and that is my why. You know, you see people get their lives back. Um, it makes it makes the difficulty the unknown you know opera, entrepreneurship is operating in the unknown like you're building something that doesn't exist and so every day like you're building you're building the uh the car as it's driving down the road right and and if you're if you're like me you, you know you burn the bridges behind you in the sense that there's no going back like it's you there's only forward looking and so right. there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and and i have to make sometimes financial decisions that require you know use of money into something that we think will ultimately be beneficial to the company but we can't really afford to do it but we can't afford not to do it right so you're always kind of operating in this unknown and this kind of level of difficulty and this level of stress and and the, the we haven't grown the company to the point where it's you know completely financially stable yet and and mm-hmm. you know cash flow in its own expansion and growth so there's always this you know this energy and this hustle that's required of me for sure. what, what keeps me going is to see people get their lives back. I mean, like, like her story, or we have a, one client that I think about a lot and you know, his story is also on our website. There's a TV mm-hmm. station. Right. And you know, this guy had tried everything for over a decade, drugs and injections and surgery and physical rehab and acupuncture. He tried everything and not to minimize the efficacy of those things in some ways, but you know, for him and for many chronic pain sufferers, they weren't resolving his pain. Right. So after like a decade of this, he went to his doctors fed up and said, I can't live this way anymore. I want you to amputate my leg. I mean, he chose to have his leg cut off to have a better, try to have a better quality of life because wow. he the pain in his foot anymore. They agree, they amputate his leg and it doesn't resolve the pain because the wow. pain is not related to the tissue. It's neurogenic or brain phenomena. So now this guy has phantom pain and you can just imagine that after this kind of drastic procedure, having felt like he's exhausted everything, like the only other option out of this life that he felt so trapped in and a body that's betraying him is suicide. And unfortunately, mm. many, too many people, chronic pain sufferers, mental illness obviously sufferers, you know, suicide seems like the right way out. And so when you can help somebody who's at that level of desperation, get back to a level of normalcy, and hopefully even a level of higher productivity through education and better, you know, better resources that they haven't had from somebody else, that is a powerful thing to be a part of. And, and you know, that, that's, my, that's my why, no doubt. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I hear that story that he just felt like he, he tried over and over again and still nothing working. Then he comes to you guys. That's, that's, that's amazing work, man. That's, that's something on a whole nother level, man. That's, that's great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, my pleasure. For sure. For sure. So, you know, I see that you also, you guys also offer like a free complimentary treatment. What made you want to do that? Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, most of our patients have some degree of the story that I just told you, you know, mm-hmm. they, they feel like they've tried everything and, um, you know, to offer a new solution that sounds maybe too good to be true or sounds different. This whole idea of retraining the brain 
it, it may sound a little wacky to some people. And so what we want to do is create a very low barrier. And so, you know, we say, look, unless you're disqualified because you're pregnant or you have a pacemaker, you know, other than those factors, for the most part, we can treat people. It's safe to do it. And if you're willing to spend a little bit of time, we're willing to show you what, you know, to show you what we can do. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we walked them through this process of reconnecting them back to their, their why, their definition of success, what pain has cost them, and, and start, to, start to reframe, you know, their perspective on, on that pain experience back to who they really are at their core and what their, their best version of themselves might be. We educate them about the, you know, the most modern pain science, which most doctors have never told them, in, in most cases because the doctor themselves doesn't know it. And that process alone, just those two pieces, oftentimes will result in tears, tears of joy and optimism and hope that, oh my gosh, like maybe there's a reason why my body has been hurting all these years. And maybe there is a reason why the doctors haven't been able to help me fully understand it or resolve it. And maybe there is a way out of that. We then educate them about how our therapy works, um, how the technology works and the other aspects of our model that we build into our care. And then we treat them for free. And in most cases, um, you know, we've just now invested two hours uh, of our time at no cost to these clients. So we, they, they can see that we're approaching this relationship with them differently than pretty much every, everybody else has. And that's part of doing the right thing, part of our, part of our values, right? And so right. at that point, you know, most of our clients, I mean, 70% of clients pay for this out of pocket. They find a way to make it work. We do the best that we can to make it affordable over time in a membership model um, and, you know, kind of spread the cost out over time. But it, it becomes a diff, just a completely different experience for our clients. And, and then they get on this path where they start getting their life back in a matter of a few weeks, typically, and getting the pain reduced and off of medications and sleeping better and moving better and having better, better mental clarity. And, you know, with the opioids and the other, even the over-the-counter drugs, they disrupt digestion and uh, gut health and things like that. So when people get off of these medications, it actually allows them to start to lose weight because their natural body systems are working better. They start to sleep better. They start to, you know, move better. So the, the weight, you know, weight comes off of weight gain had happened and they, everything, I mean, the pendulum just swings a whole other way, but it starts with our ability to connect with somebody and hopefully get them to a place where they're open to it and have hope. And so a free treatment is a simple way to kind of open that door to them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, Brendan, you know, let's, let's shift gears just for a little bit. How supportive has Rachel, your wife, been in your path of entrepreneurship? That's an awesome question. Uh, no one, you know, I've done a lot of podcast interviews. No one's ever asked me about Rachel. So that's, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty flattering. Yeah. She, you know, she is an angel and um, you know, it hasn't always been that way. I mean, we've had our, our fair share of financial difficulty. And um, as I mentioned before, the bankruptcy and, you know, other employment circumstances that in the past haven't worked out as favorably as we thought they would be. And, and, and so like when I say I'm going to not have an income anymore and I'm going to start a company, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. Right. And, right. and the stress, the stress of entrepreneurship is not isolated to the entrepreneur themselves. It does translate into the home and into the spouse in particular. And so, mm -hmm. you know, having, having a companion who is, um, truly a partner, I mean, she's engaged in this. She's, she's a sounding board. She's, um, she's a champion alongside with me has made the difference. And if I had a different companion that would have made this already hard you know, process so much harder. Mm -hmm. And if you have a spouse that, you know, I mean, everybody has to approach it from their own personal reality. But if, if she was like, you know, I need, I need this, I need this, you know, instead of supporting and saying, how do we solve these problems together? It would have made this journey so much harder. And as I mentioned, her, her health process and her healthcare challenges have really informed the way that we approach 
uh, our care and it's informed you know the the level of compassion and understanding that I have for pain sufferers who haven't found answers previously and and so she I, you know she realizes that even though she's not technically a shareholder in the company she's her her involvement is huge is huge you know Gotcha. Uh, I was actually going to ask you that because I saw that she's a yoga instructor. So I was curious if you guys ever collaborate on a business entity at at any point at all. Well, forthcoming is going to be an online uh, education around how to use yoga in a safe and effective way. Her her yoga approach is she's worked a lot with physical therapists um, trained in, in very specific types of yoga. And she actually trains and certifies other yoga teachers in what she calls uh, alignment-based yoga. So okay. this is yoga that's all about how do you prevent injury and, and reverse injury if you've had it. And one of the things that happens for chronic pain sufferers mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, the nervous system's job, I have to unbundle the pain science just a little bit, but the nervous system's job is first and foremost to keep us alive. And gotcha. so when we have an injury that has pain or we have something that's causing pain in our, in our uh, experience, it isn't always because of tissue damage, although in the short term, many times that is the case, but it's because the brain perceives something as a threat to its ability to keep us alive. And so it creates pain as a way to get our attention so that we can resolve that concern to it. And again, that's kind of how it's more like credit card debt. It's like accumulation of all these events that it perceives as mm. threats. And so part of its ability to keep us alive and keep us safe is that it has to create input about it, about our surroundings. So the eye, the eyes look and see the landscape, the vestibular system, which is the organs of our inner ear. Those keep us balanced and upright and agile and moving in our environment. The touching feeling senses help us know this is hot, this is cold, this is rough, this is smooth, this is sharp, you know, all those types of things. And then what's called proprioception, which is our orientation in space, helps us know where we're at as we move through space. Inevitably, for chronic pain sufferers, there's some sort of disconnect between one of those sensory systems and the brain. It's not interpreting or gathering that information in in quite the same way. Um, And a way to understand this is to talk about phantom pain. And we often talk about phantom pain with our clients because it makes clear that even if the tissue's been amputated and the foot still hurts, even though the foot doesn't exist anymore, it's not a foot problem because the foot's gone, right? It's something else going on, right? Right. the reason that phantom pain happens is because the foot used to gather information to the person through their nervous system about what they're standing on. You know, is it hot? Is it cold? Are they in the middle of a, a, you know, an ice bucket or standing on hot, fiery coals that are causing damage to the tissue? Without that input, the brain is going, I don't know how to keep you safe anymore. There's a, there's a, there's a lack of information about my ability to keep you alive and keep you safe. And so what I'm going to do is create pain in that area to get your attention. So hopefully you can help give information back to me so that I can resolve this. And so movement like Tai Chi and yoga and connection, even meditation connection back to the mind body into the small, small fibers of the body uh, really helps improve the sense of safety for the brain and helps reduce pain. So yoga is a phenomenal technique if and when it's done properly. So we will be partnering with Rachel and probably some other, uh, other like professionals to create online content that we can share uh, with our clients and help them access this type of information and, and resource safely and effectively in their own home. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. It's just that when I, when I saw that about Rachel, it just seems like a, a natural fit to, co- to collaborate. So I guess I wanted to ask about that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. That was very sweet of you to do so. No worries. No worries. So, you know, I know many entrepreneurs, you know, have social causes that they're, that's important to them and stuff like that. And Brendan, I saw that you got involved with Mission 22. Now, Startup Nation, Mission 22 is a nonprofit that combats the ever-rising uh, veteran suicide rate. 
So, Brendan, what made you get involved with Mission 22, if you don't mind me asking? Well, you know, obviously there are so many vets uh, in, in our country that are coming back with physical pain and emotional pain. For sure. And PTSD. And, and it's something that's on, you know, a lot of our mind, for sure. The founder of Mission 22 is a combat veteran, you know, multi-tours and, you know, phenomenal guy. His wife actually came to us as a client. And, um, you know, we got to know her in that interaction. And, and that opened the door to this, this opportunity to be able to collaborate. And we're in the process of, um, you know, deepening that relationship and trying to get inroads in with the VA and other institutions so that we can help serve this vet community that's, you know, uh, in physical pain beyond what is, you know, many of us experience because of their sacrifice and service for the country. And, um, and you know, the truth is popping a pill, even if it's masking the problem is inevitably going to make it worse. So if they are dealing with PTSD or other emotional components, the, the drug interactions that those cause could make them worse. And so we need to help them find solutions that are safer and better. And so the, you know, mission 22 and the, and the vets are, uh, a key market that we'd like to serve and create you know, deeper inroads with. And there are others as well, but those are that's certainly kind of the most prominent at this point. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And as an army veteran myself, let me just say, thank you so much for supporting a nonprofit like Mitch 22. That means a lot. So I appreciate that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. No you worries. Bet. No worries. So Brendan, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower, my man. What's yours and why? <laughs> I think that's a fun question. I think uh, for me, it's, it's this, pretty strong sense of uh, optimism and resilience, you know, you know, our, our road, my personal journey has been uh, not an easy one. I mean, we're disrupting a significant industry in pain. We're going against some of the biggest, you know, companies like the, you know, pharmaceutical companies and saying that we have a different approach and, um, and, you know, we're, we're promoting we're promoting a a therapy and and a vision based upon science that most even, professional you know doctors and professionally trained scientists don't maybe fully understand sure and and we're doing it in a disruptive new business model i mean every aspect of our business is kind of unique and difficult and uh and so that's created a fair amount of loneliness on the journey and a fair amount of challenge and it's i think it the reason that we're still going and why we're still so optimistic that we have the ability to build a valuable company and one that can make a big difference in the world is because we just keep fighting for it because we believe it and you know as a CEO, I mean, that starts with me and, and my optimism about it. So I feel blessed that that is, frankly, a fairly natural experience, a superpower, if you will, for me, is just to be resilient and optimistic, even when the factual realities may not suggest that that's a smart idea. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I definitely agree with you that I definitely believe that's your superpower after kind of sitting down and chatting with you for a little bit. So before I ask my last question, Brendan, I just want to say thank you so much on behalf of the Startup Life and the Startup Nation, powered by the Binge Podcast Network. You provided great value today in the, in the terms of pain management and the neuroscience behind that pain management and your path to entrepreneurship. So I do appreciate that. So my last question was not actually a question. I'm actually going to turn the mic over to you, and I want you to talk to Startup Nation. Look, man, there's an entrepreneur out there who either, A, is uh, afraid to start their company, yeah. or B, they feel stuck. They've already started and they feel stuck, man. Give them some words of wisdom today to tell them to keep moving forward. That's an, an honor. Thank you. So I would, say, I would say there's nothing better aside from being a parent than being an entrepreneur because it requires so much of you. It requires you, know, you to go deep and to find your why and to solve problems 
that are beyond your skill set in many cases and to find the resources to solve those problems. And so, you know, you have to realize that, that, that choosing to be an entrepreneur, and it is a choice. I mean, I think, I think those of us that are entrepreneurs, many times we feel called, like it feels natural within us, that gets us started. But just getting started isn't enough. And it, it, even if you haven't, I mean, maybe that's another thing to say though, is like, you know, if you wanna be an entrepreneur, you gotta start. Like having a great idea, is never going to put is never going to result in anything until you take that first step and so you know everybody's circumstances are different some people it's like okay i can do a little side hustle for a while and start building it but put it into action put it into work learn from the failure learn from the struggle and as long as you're committed like as long as you see a reason why you're doing it and that reason for most of us it has to be more than money because it, when it's hard and the money's not quick it's easy to say, well, bag this, I'm gonna go do something else, right? So you have to find your why that's bigger than money. And if you find it and you just stay consistent, another thought leader like at Lewis Taos, he says, you know, it doesn't matter how long you take, it just matters that you never stop. And I think that's it. I mean, I think if, if the goal is to climb the mountain, there are many different routes you can take. So you lay out your plan, you set out your, your, your resources, your tools, you start climbing the mountain. Well, you come into a landslide or a river that you didn't know was there or you know, gear breaks or somebody gets hurt. You might have to change, but it's never a failure until you stop, until you give up. As long as you keep working towards it, you're gonna make it happen. So find your why, work hard every day, get started, and, uh, and, and then love the journey. I mean, you gotta love the journey. You gotta love the hard stuff because if you don't and you resent the hard stuff, it makes it miserable sometimes. So it just get into it and love it, man. Love your experience with it. And be grateful. I mean, those of, those of us that choose to be entrepreneurs, like it's a, it's a rare school. And like I said, I think aside from being a parent and you know, creating human life and being able to help shape that person's existence and their reality, there's nothing better than building something that doesn't exist and putting it into the world to hopefully make the world a better place. I heard that. I heard that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's going to wrap up this session of the startup life. Brendan, thank you so much. You have provided amazing value for Startup Nation. Did you like being on the show? Yeah, Dominic, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it, brother. And I, I do hope that it was of value to anybody else uh, out there listening. It absolutely was, my friend. I Startup Nation. So here's my final take. I love Brendan's story because on his path to entrepreneurship, two things really come to mind. The first one is this. When he talks about pain management and pain relief that he gives to his clients, what he really is doing is bringing, giving them their power back, giving them that peace of mind. And that's really uh, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to bring Brendan on your show. And I wanted you to think about that in your path, right? If you have a product or a service that allows your clients or your customers or whatever you want to call them to get that peace of mind, that has a very huge value in the marketplace. So when you think about your product or service, think about how if it's possible to give your client, give your customer that peace of mind. The second thing I want to bring up is that, look, family matters. Brandon talks about his wife and his kids and how he was able to hold on and be reminded of why he's doing this and this and the other. Remember that Startup Nation, your family can be the biggest asset on your path to entrepreneurship. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you Startup Nation and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, 
please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. What up, Startup Nation? You here for that extra content? What if I don't want to give it to you this week? Nah, you know I like you, so I wouldn't do that to you. Here you go. When a client voluntarily shares that I was able to help them or they, they send me a, tr- a referral to a trusted friend or family member, I, I take that incredibly seriously because it, it's the work they've done. I've simply maybe created space for them to see those opportunities or I've helped them you know, discard some of their stinking thinking to be able to free up that part, but they've actually done the work and that they're so, so grateful and so appreciative. And when someone really does take the time to, to put something in writing, it, it's just incredibly, it's incredibly humbling because I, I'm just, you know, I'm just a regular person. I'm an entrepreneur who struggled as well. And so when I'm able to, to, to share that and I'm able to maybe dull the edge of the pain for them or remove some of the pain they've felt because we come up with a new strategy or a new concept or get them to hire a new employee or get them to get rid of a toxic employee. It's the reward. It's so incredibly rewarding. It's really hard to put into words. That startup nation is my good friend, Todd Palmer, a six time. Yes. Six time Inc. 5000 honoree. So if you want to get that episode as soon as it's available, go ahead and subscribe to the Startup Life podcast on your favorite podcast platform. So that way, when that content with Todd is available, it'll be right there waiting for you. But until then, Startup Nation, get out of here. You got a company to grow.